But I think what it boils down to is uh, the monopoly that uh, is per is perceived to be had by Google in the space of not just search, but in the digital internet ecosystem as a whole. And I don't think there's a, a search engine that's good enough compared to Google that would be a, a real viable alternative. The, the number I heard today was 30 years. That's the length of time it takes for a specific industry to sort of monopolize around one, one or two big players. Um, I saw today Walmart is about to redesign its physical locations to mimic their app. How is this going to work with the core Walmart customer? The, you know, the dude who pulls up in his truck. You know, I, I distinctly remember the moment when 4G arrived or LTE. That, yeah, literally was a game changer. You, you went from being able to browse the internet occasionally and slowly. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 30-Minute CMO Podcast. My name is Gorsha Kuchua, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and partner, Alex McNamara. Hey, Alex. Hey, Gorsha. Another week, another pod. I'm looking forward to this one. I am, too. Uh, this is our Ad Talk edition, where you and I uh, banter about different topics. Um, and it's a format where we discuss news and events in the world of marketing and things adjacent to marketing that we found to be most interesting. As always, we invite you to send us your thoughts and questions via LinkedIn and Instagram. Our handle on Instagram is at 30MinuteCMO. And now let's get on with the show. Alex, today's big, news, <laughs> today's big news is the Google antitrust lawsuit. Uh, it's uh, fairly complex, but I think what it boils down to is... Uh, the monopoly that uh, is per is perceived to be had by Google in the space of not just search, but in the digital internet ecosystem as a whole. Um, I don't, yeah. I haven't read all of the details of the lawsuit uh, yet, but from the things that I have uh, read and listened to today, it sounds like the idea is that you don't really have a lot of choice when it comes to internet uh, internet options, right? When it comes to search, when it comes to mail, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. I think search is the focal point here. And it's interesting because the lawsuit specifically has been kind of referencing Google, not Alphabet necessarily. Um, although I'm sure that Alphabet obviously is the ultimate responsible party. Have you have you heard much on this? Uh, what's, what's sort of been your, uh, the resonance in your neck of the woods? Um, not, not as much as I would have thought. So I, I, I've seen it basically in our in our pre-chat when we talked about it, but but not it hasn't hit. Also, I've been sort of glued to my computer screen doing presentations and RFPs, so I haven't looked at the the news other than um, sports news. Um, but no, it it looks like I mean from what I've seen very briefly, it is Google is the gateway to the internet, um, and people are taking taking issue with that because they've basically created a monopoly on how you get around and and therefore where your data goes and who um and kind of like who who monetizes to, off of it who monetizes off of it and then like the content you're seeing is all google um served algorithms 
Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the things that I was listening to today uh, basically talked about just that. Um, the sort of the summary of the argument that Google is making is that consumers choose to use Google and its products um, and that alternatives are actually there. The counter argument was, uh, it was an interesting one I, I heard on, on, I think it was the BBC, um, from DuckDuckGo, the search engine that probably most people don't know about. It commands about 2% of the search landscape and really focuses on privacy. Uh, the CEO of DuckDuckGo was basically saying, hey, uh, this is a fallacy. Google does not let you uh, easily choose alternatives, especially when it comes to their own ecosystems like the Android OS. And yeah. if um, if you were to believe Google, they would they would uh, they would tell you that you know alternatives are a click one click away. You know you can type in DuckDuckGo and go to and and go there yeah. and, and and do this. But uh, for me, uh, I, I want to discuss this topic with you a little bit because as end users, I think we all often take a passive uh, view of all of the tools that that are at our disposal that are provided free of charge by Google. Um, the reality is th they are superior tools um, yeah. by and large, but I think it's the integration of those tools, the way they weave them together that make it so difficult to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go and use another email provider or I'm going to go and use uh, another search engine. It's the, yeah, it's, it's these connections that they have built that make them so incredibly powerful and yeah. compelling to use. Yeah, I think I think the way they've purposely built search, mail, Chrome, YouTube, Android all to work seamlessly with each other in, in the same way that Apple have built their ecosystem to work seamlessly with each other. So once you're once you've got one, it's easy to get more. And once you've got more, it's very difficult to get out. Um and I, but I think also they made it because they've made a superior search engine, email system, web browser, and they made it all free. Um people will take good and free um, even if it means that they are giving their data and therefore the monetization of that to Google. Um, but I, I think people got so used to getting it all for free that if you, I don't even know where you would go now to pay money for email. Um, if you, you know, and I don't, and I don't think there's a, a search engine that's good enough compared to Google. That would be a, a real viable alternative chrome i mean is 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 you know it may suck your cpu up for a bit whilst you've got multiple tabs open but i think that's the only one in which there's a um a an option where you have a real competitor in like a mozilla um even safari as well um and to some extent edge maybe yeah, I mean, it's interesting how Microsoft for years and years and years tried to hold on to the market share when it came to search with, uh, first it was live.com, then it was Bing, it's still Bing. Um, and I, the feeling is sort of they've they've given up on it uh, because... Bing is terrible. It's I mean, have you, tried, have you tried to use it? But it's, it's probably a catch-22. Not a lot of people are using it and they're not investing more into... Yeah into it but um you know there are alternatives to to gmail they just they just kind of suck um yeah. you know microsoft's own hotmail there or outlook i guess is what it's called now 
um, Yahoo. But uh, a few a few months ago, I think when privacy was really top of mind, I looked into some paid for options. And there are some companies yeah. um, based in countries like Norway, for instance, with very strong privacy laws that have paid for email services. And one of the arguments uh, that I've heard against this was, well, do you really trust a small company uh, to keep, uh, to do a better job of keeping your data safe than a company yeah. like Google, who sure makes money off of the aggregate data that it's able to get from you, but at the same time is probably here for the long run. You know, like what yeah. what happens if a small company that provides you a paid uh, mailing service, email service, goes bust? Uh, I don't want my emails to disappear. Like my Gmail goes back ten years. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, what happens to that data when yeah, when they if they close when they close down? Um, but also how secure are they compared to Google? You know, it's it's definitely something their the their reputation, Google's reputation of being secure and you know so big that it feels safe, um, definitely helps them with their stickiness. I think with the with YouTube, I think that is again. You know, they're trying to branch that into multiple different sub brands like YouTube Live. And but I feel like that one is is one where you actually do have competition for where you host videos based on your profession or based on what kind of um uh like creative side hustles you have. Like Vimeo is a really is a really good one for creatives to hold their portfolio or for companies to host um their brand videos on. And whereas YouTube is is more for uploading. Yeah, but when is the last time you stuff. went on Vimeo to just find stuff? Well, you wouldn't go to Vimeo to find stuff, but they've got a paid model that people use to be more professional. Yeah, no, I I I, I, I get it. I I think it's well, YouTube is the second biggest search engine. Yeah, and and that's what makes it so powerful uh, is that you go there to find stuff you didn't know you were looking for. Uh, yeah. Vimeo Daily Motion. I, I I don't even know if there is an equivalent to YouTube. I don't think there is. No, not 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 in that way. No, no. but it, yeah. I'm guessing like Facebook and um, you know TikTok and Instagram Reels and those would be Reels. more more sort of <laughs> yeah soon to be LinkedIn Reels. <laughs> yeah, <Those> are... <laughs> LinkedIn Reels. <laughs> Actually, I think the only competition really here on this uh, on this list that we are discussing is um, Android. Uh, Android has yeah. the uh, competitor in iOS, and uh, it's interesting that um, your Safari default for searches, Google. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you, you say iOS is a comp uh, is like competitor to Android, but in most places outside of the US, it's not really a competitor. I mean, it's it is a competitor in that it is an OS that is not Android. But it is not a competitor in that they fight for market share because outside of the US, it's basically Android and then everyone else who wants to buy an iPhone, which is not as not as superior uh, as an Android. I mean, it's just it's it's more expensive. It's uh, yes, Android Android goes all the way to the you know to the dirt cheap phones, all the way to the really really high end ones. But iOS yeah. lives only on iPhones, and those tend to be. Uh, pricier Expensive. yeah yeah all right well it'll be interesting to see how the this lawsuit uh shakes out because the outcome of it will sort of set the blueprint for what happens to these mega tech companies that um are at this point you know 
perceived to be squashing the competition and not allowing yeah. innovation to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I know we were trying to we're trying to move on, but they don't. This yes, I mean, I I don't know how to explain this. Get it from my my head to to good words, but um, they don't allow innovation to happen in that they don't have. They're so big that people have to use them, but they themselves are uh, pushing innovation. They themselves are internally pushing um, things that we didn't know we wanted or didn't know that we could get out to people. So it it doesn't feel like they're just sitting around as like a traditional monopoly charging you high prices for subpar product because they're the only viable option. I do feel at least even if they are the monopoly, they are innovating themselves to to bring better, faster, cheaper products for, for everyone. Maybe, maybe, maybe for now, but that was the case with AT&T and other monopolies that were subsequently broken up. You know, the, yeah. the, the number I heard today was 30 years. That's the length of time it takes for a specific industry to sort of monopolize around one, one or two big players. And yeah. we are at, that, at the end of that 30 year cycle with tech where Google is now uh, starting to see, look like that monopoly, the, the way that monopolies in the past have formed and looked like. So mm-hmm. I would argue that Google is more of a utility than Facebook. You need yeah. email, you need maps, you don't necessarily need uh, fake news on social media. So no. it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I think it'll sell. And remember, Microsoft went through this. Um, and ultimately ended up not being judged to be a monopoly, but had to cede a lot of control over what it previously held as its own sort of ecosystem. So uh, moving from the online to the offline, um, I saw today Walmart is about to redesign its physical locations to mimic their app, which is really interesting. We talked about how Amazon have um, started developing you know the next wave of of stores but for Walmart um, a very much a traditional brick and mortar store um, making its a concerted effort to link offline and online more seamlessly the, the the premise of it is essentially you download the Walmart app and that becomes your in-store guide to everything in the stores so they're redesigning it to make it look better but they're also redesigning it to work seamlessly with your app. So you type in where you want to, what product you need. It'll tell you where it is. You can scan it, bag it, walk out. So it's integrating your online experience, your online shopping experience with your in-person shopping experience, which I thought was really interesting where we've seen um, traditional online brands coming in and, and you know influencing the offline world but here is a traditional offline brand coming in and making that change um making that change themselves mainly to combat amazon because that is their you know number one rival and also to get people onto the walmart app so that they can continue that you know purchasing um through their app and their walmart plus uh service i have a question mark over my head, <laughs> yeah. And this is this is uh, this is because I lived in Tennessee for six years. Yeah. Um, how is this going to work with the core Walmart customer? The you know 
the dude who pulls up in his truck um yep and goes inside the store to to his good old walmart and is being all of a sudden told to download some app to go sign, find the thing that he, you, you know like are they is this an aspirational thing for walmart something that is being kind of shown to the world but the reality is it's going to be 10 years before it fully takes hold or are they going to drop this on everyone and people will be standing at the entrance of the store being like what the hell happened with my walmart well well they they say it's going to be 99 stores uh initially and um by the end of 2021 1000 more stores so and how it, many stores from, does Walmart have in the country? Uh, that I, I don't know. Um, probably more than a thousand. They probably have one thousand in just one state. Um, but but it, I think I think what it it it's kind of making the sort of next gen stores more of a reality for Walmart to to do this. But at the same time, we saw Walmart coming in with the with the TikTok bid and. You know, I don't know if there's some leadership change at Walmart, if they've got some some new, you know, future future thinking folks up there, but they seem to be doing a lot of, you know, not not traditional Walmart type uh, work at the moment. And by that is is kind of what you said is that you know they know we know who they are in terms of a brand, and they don't seem to be acting like that traditional Walmart brand. And I think it's really interesting that a brand like Walmart would be sort of taking their inspiration from from airports um, to you know funnel people through stores as um, efficiently as possible with as high a basket as possible. Um, so it's well, going to be interesting I, to see. Yeah, what I found interesting was even I mean I think the app is like the sexy thing that uh, media will cover the most, but from the video mm-hmm. that they showed. It's actually the signage in the stores that makes it. Actually, you're right. It looks like airport signage, and to me, that makes the big difference. Walk, walk into yeah. any major store now. I mean, good luck finding the thing that you came to shop for, especially if it's your first time in that store. A Target in one part of the country looks different than a Target from another part of the country, just depending on the layout. And yeah. so, if Walmart can solve for that, I think that's a huge success. But if your ability to find things and increase your AOV from that one visit is um, dependent on the app, uh, I think that's going to take some time to yeah. uh, grow well, on people. Because I don't think it's going to be dependent on the app to shop. I think it's I think it's mimicking the app experience in in real life. But they're also solving for a problem that they they intentionally created, which was don't sign it too hard. Because you want people to find it, but you also want them to wander around to pick up all the other stuff that they didn't know that they wanted until they were in the store. So, you know, they don't want to make it too easy for you to get around because then they don't you don't pick up the extra bag of salt and vinegar castle chips or the, you know, second jar of whatever it is that you were not gonna buy, or the seven bottles of wine that you were gonna not buy as well. So Yes, they are trying to they are trying to make it easier, but they also need to keep that you know in purchase pul- pu- impulse purchase uh, as well. I think no one has Costco beat on that front. 
I'm like, have you tried to find anything you want in Costco? I just feel like I go in there. First of all, first none of, of all, what I wanted and everything that I didn't know. Show me the person who walks counterclockwise in Costco and I'm going to give them a price for being a rebel because everyone like sheep move in one direction. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, <laughs> you know, there's nothing, there's, there's nothing complicated about a Costco layout. It's just, you walk in on one side, you move along with everyone else in, in sort of one direction. Uh, yeah. You know, the famous quote that you came there for a loaf of bread. No one comes to Costco for a loaf of bread, but you came yeah. there for a loaf of bread and you walked out with a 4K 60-inch uh, TV that you, you yeah. did not know you needed. Like that's, that that's, I mean. <laughs> I mean, there's no signs. And I've I, every time I walk in there, I always want to buy a TV. I don't know why. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. Every time I'm like, yeah, I need a new TV. Definitely need a new TV right now. For sure. It's, but side note, TVs are so cheap right now compared to five, 10, 15 years ago. You can get like a 35, no, like a 45 inch HD, you know, like it's, and it's like 200 bucks, 300 bucks. It's insane. Yeah. Do, insane. Brand, do brand names and TVs even matter anymore? I think only if so you want to be a snob about it because- you, like the Vizios, the um, like Vizio, LG, Samsung, it all kind of blurs into ones. So unless you're spent, you want to spend like a thousand dollars for a you know UHD 8K um, with matching surround sound speakers. You don't need a brand because it's all the same stuff inside. It's basically the same screens between you know like 100 and 500. I think I think it's incredible that uh, TVs are so cheap. Uh, and every year they seem to get even cheaper and somehow they're still the doorbusters on Black Friday. Yeah. yeah. But all of these TVs are now, uh, you know, many of them come preloaded with Roku, which just slings ads at you all day long. On the, <laughs> yes. You know, you're essentially buying a billboard to put in your house and you're paying money for a billboard. And if you think about it that way, it's akin to buying um, a soccer jersey. You know, you're yeah. just buying an Emirates logo with... Yeah your hard-earned cash that that that, that, yeah. that, that that's kind of interesting like, tvs have become i mean that yeah else. i mean that that you see a lot especially on reddit you see people who spend you know, several hundred dollars on a samsung tv you get back they turn it on it's just like a big interstitial ad and you know you can't and on, on the menu there are ads there are ads for apps on the menu yeah. like it's just you pay money and this is also happening i think in um playstation games i can't remember which one it was maybe the new fifa or madden or, or uh, nba uh 2k um someone was saying you basically have to watch ads even if you though you paid a uh, full price for the game and you still have to get ads in the game it's it's getting it's getting like you can pay money and then get ads for it it's advertising crazy. is ruining the world well well no it's not it's advertising is very important um it's very important. Advertising is very important, especially digital performance advertising. So don't forget to do that. This is a show without biases. No, no biases at all. Uh, speaking about uh, speaking of advertising and a company that's taking a stance, uh, seemingly taking a stance on privacy with its products, Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple released new iPhones. Um, belatedly, they were supposed to be released alongside all the other stuff they released about a month ago, but because of COVID and broken supply chain, 
um, they had to push this out into its own separate event, which by the way, we should talk about how Apple's been doing their own events um, as, yeah. a, as a side note. But the big news with the iPhones is that they are going to be 5G iPhones. Uh, yep. The first ones to come out, they're about a year behind some of their high-end Android competitors. But really, historically, anytime Apple got behind something, it was um, seen as the arriving moment of that particular trend. And so now the big question mark is, is the 5G future finally here? Um, or do we have to wait for it to actually still arrive? Um, not owning a 5G phone, I cannot actually say um, what what's real and what's not. But it seems to me that you're going to get this 5G iPhone and then you're going to yep. be browsing on 4G speeds for quite yep. some time still. Because from what I understand, uh, unless you live in some part of some market uh, that Verizon or T-Mobile chose as their 5G testing spot, you're going to be limited to 4G for quite some time. Yeah, that's that's what I was reading as well. Um, that the there was a special I don't know, setting that basically says if your five G is slower than your four G, it'll switch back to four G. Oh, I think get, if you, need you to, don't get a refund, yeah, that's you not don't the get a refund. That's not when no. they deposit money back into you. No, okay. No, no, you don't get you don't get your uh, Apple money back into your Apple wallet um, to pay for your Apple five G. No, so you you, you basically. Um, you basically your phone will switch to 4G automatically if your 5G is slower. Which I think if you need that, it means it's not ready. It kind of feels like the the when TV switched from standards to HD, and for like three years everyone was talking about HD ready, and you never really knew when HD was go. So we never we got ready. We didn't get get set or go, and we just got HD ready. So this kind of feels like 5G ready. So everyone's yeah. everyone's got the kit and the the network hasn't quite even but even though you've got AT&T launching 5G ads you've got um Verizon and T-Mobile all saying they've got the best 5G networks but i don't believe it i mean there's no way to prove it and they can't prove that it is and we can't prove that it isn't so it definitely feels like it's it's the 5G ready which is kind of what 5GE was but it it's i don't think it's here yet um you know i i distinctly remember the moment when 4g arrived or lte yeah. and i was living in london uh i was uh, a customer of three uh which is a carrier oh, yeah. there and three was cheap but the, and they were late to the 4g game and i remember they sent an email out basically saying hey at some point between now and then now and whenever uh your phone if you have an iphone uh it'll switch to 4G and I, and you know the reference because we used to live in the same uh, part yeah. of the town. I was walking up Horton street and holding up my phone and I saw it go from 3G to 4G. <laughs> <laughs> I literally froze in my tracks and I was like, whoa. And I went to YouTube and whoa. it streamed so fast. And that I mean, was a that game was, changer. That yeah, literally was a game changer. You, you went from being able to browse the internet occasionally and slowly to being able to be on the go and actually do things stream music go on um go on youtube like facetime do facetime do real-time like internet purchases review you know like your um like get emails better um not on your not on your blackberry 
So like being able to do that, and it feels like the 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 what that's enabled phones and communication to do and apps being able to be real time and and no lag. I'm I don't know what it's going to be for four G to five G or yeah. how much faster the speeds can be and what that's going to bring for phones and on the go. Because imagine if you didn't need to, you know, you didn't need Wi-Fi to be able to upload, you know, gigabyte files, um, and you could do that remotely from wherever you were. If you're a, you know, a creative working on a, on an ad edit, or if you're, you know, you're solely working on a hotspot on your phone, it was five G only. Wi-Fi is basically not needed, depending on you know price depending. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see this as well. I know that five G. Um looks also very different in different countries. Um, and I've yeah. read that the US 5G, the spectrum that currently is being occupied by it, makes it slower than most countries, which is disappointing. Hopefully it's a lot faster than 4G is, although I don't really have a lot of qualms with the speeds of 4G, but I was reading about yeah. the speeds in uh, uh, was it South Korea and um, the Gulf states where it's approaching 250 uh, which is insane. Second, it's like it's insane yeah but it's here's like, a yeah so wait like, here's a here's a question more of a marketing question i guess and kind of segmentation question for you four iphones four four iphones yeah yeah we have the the 12 mini the 12 the 12 pro and the shovel <laughs> the shovel which is you know the, the 12 pro max. pro max yeah um what is what gives? Uh, it used to be so simple, just one iPhone um, forever until I yeah. believe the 11s came out. And they, they were toying around with the simpler sort of like the budget version of them, like the, you know, yeah. the, the 5C well, and you, whatever. You went, you went from like the normal screen to the, to the big screen. So oh, you, right. you, it was you with, had the, that. With, the, with the sixes. Yeah, six and six, not six S, six S plus. Yeah, the pluses. Yeah. When the pluses six came plus. in, and you had the bigger screens. So we've gone, and then what I thought was really interesting is they released the the new iPhone SE, which was like the budget version, um, sort of old body, but same, uh, I think it was iPhone 11 insides, which was really great. So what is interesting is they brought out the 12, uh, the 12 mini, which is taking almost the, the body shape from the four, Mm -hmm. and making a screen smaller mm -hmm. when all we've been doing is having bigger screens. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that they would take, I think it's really interesting that people are now looking for smaller phones. And if you look at um, like the new Palm um, phone, have you seen this? Yeah. I know it's, yeah. Signing. So it's basically your, your phone's sidekick. So if you have an Android, you can have a, a smaller phone that you can take out that has limited functions, but it's really thin and really light and really small. So you know, you can just um, put it in your pocket. It's not noticeable compared to your, you know, bigger phone, your Samsung Galaxy S20 or whatever it is. So having smaller phones is really interesting. But when you get to the pro end, other than having the third camera and I think LiDAR, I don't know general population who is buying that for pro features other than showing people you have a pro and by proxy that you got money. That kind of feels like the only reason to buy it. I think it is 
the domain of people who post a lot on Instagram and yeah. they forget that Instagram takes your gorgeous 1000 megapixel photo and compresses it to its own standard, which is probably yeah. like a fraction of that. And that's, and that's, yeah. and that's that I, 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 you're right. I, I, I don't know. I think it's aimed, I think it's aimed squarely at that public, the, the influencer public, uh, who photograph and yeah. record everything around them. But I think the outward communication is being positioned that it's like for a professional, but a professional is going to yeah. use a professional camera. I mean, the, yeah. the pro max starts at, I think 1200 bucks. Like that's it's a, the same price as a computer. It's a, that's a MacBook pro. Yeah, um, I'm also interested to see the people who are uh, who are buying the 12 Pro Maxes, and they're also buying the iPads, because I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Why did you buy the <laughs> same? A lot of questions. Why, why did you buy the same thing twice? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think I think if the 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 camera is really really good. It it you look at the new Samsung phone. It doesn't quite have the same optical zoom as the Samsung um, and the Samsung, I think it's got a lot more innovation in terms of the fold and the, the really clear, what do you, have you seen the new folding Samsung phone? Yeah. When you open it out, you, 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 there is no seam. It's incredible. It's one of the most incredible things I've seen in like tech in the last like few years. It is insane. Um, but like the camera on the iPhone is, is really good. It's not, a professional camera it's not going to be replacing um you know your full frame um dslrs so i think it's like people who want to be a professional but who aren't who think they can they can have this as a substitute so i think you know it's here's my question Pro honestly Max. like who 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 at this point is still undecided about which which os they go with because if you're yeah. if you've been using if you're in the Apple ecosystem, like you're just gonna upgrade to this. I mean, I guess that maybe this accelerates yeah. your upgrade, but like it's not like you're jumping to Android. And if you're in the yeah. Android ecosystem, you're likely not you you know you're not likely not jumping to the on the Apple bandwagon. Regardless, like these phones don't have the best cameras out there. Like the Sony phones have the best yeah. cameras. Um, no one's buying Sony phones, but they still have the best cameras. You know, mm -hmm. so this is not because it's the best. It's because you are sort of you've chosen which camp you're with, and yeah, it's hard to get out of that cycle. Yeah, no, I I think I think you're you're absolutely right. I think it's it's just it's just more ways that they can make more money, and if they can charge twelve hundred bucks for a phone, they will gosh darn charge twelve hundred bucks for a phone. That's for sure. Okay, well, Alex, I think this wraps up today's episode of our ad yeah. talk uh, a lot of interesting things that we were able to discuss um, i look forward to doing our next show next week yeah next week looking forward to it all right talk then talk then